Welcome to episode 61 of the Department of Metal Antiquities. This is Nick Cameron, and I'll shortly be joined by my good friend Duncan Evans, as I am on a weekly basis. And thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for joining us. If you are checking us out because we are doing a little bit of DO content, I will thank you wholeheartedly and uh, let you know that we all love the man, the myth, the legend, Ronnie James Dio, one of the greatest uh, performers metal has ever known. But, and we we're checking out uh, one of his later releases right before getting back together with Black Sabbath and all that stuff. So thank you very much for, for joining us. We appreciate it. Well, before we get too deep into the, before we get knee deep into the hoopla, as it were, I'd like to tell you to check out some friends of mine, uh, Darren from the Fourth Line Voice in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. The Fourth Line Voice is a podcast about some the enforcer, the role of the enforcer, the decline of the enforcer, and all that kind of cool stuff. If you like old time hockey, it is definitely a great place to start. And of course, uh, Darren is also joined by, well, not really joined by, but um, there's also Five for Fighting out of uh, Florida, which is run by Alec and another kind of similar podcast. I like that kind of thing. I like hockey the way it once was, and it was a little little nastier, a little meaner, but uh, this is, of course, episode 61 of the Department of Metal Antiquities. We have been doing this for a very long time, and I am very thankful that everybody has uh, come along. If come along for our, our journey, we are always looking for hidden gems or unchewed food, and we'll find out what we... Uh, Find out what Duncan has to say about this one. I already know what I'm thinking. I already knew what I was thinking going in. But that is just me. So uh, if you could, I would greatly appreciate it if you could help us grow the show. The best way to help us grow the show is to leave a star review on iTunes. Just uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, just click it, click rate, click star. And if you can leave a few kind words, uh, it would be delightfully appreciated and wonderfully appreciated. And if you see any of our social media posts, our tweets, our Facebook posts, all that kind of things, if you can add the, if you can retweet them, if you can share a link that helps us get our faces in front of new people, which is totally a cool thing and very, very helpful for us. And that is all I have this week to uh, lead into the world. So with that, we cue the music. Welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Where we remember what everyone else has forgotten. As always, it is Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, joined by Duncan Evans, musical man about the world, from Duncan Evans Music, Waxworm, Moon Low, and now also riding high on a split with Wilderness Hymnal. Got his name right for the first time on purpose. How are we doing today, Duncan? Doing very well, thank you. Yeah, um... Busy doing lots of stuff. Um, 
looking after our little baby daughter and um, writing a review. I reviewed a band called Pantheist today, who were very cool, just um, released their new album, Closer to God, yesterday. Um, they're based in South Wales, I believe, but they've got some members from the US and all, all around. Um, very cool band. If you like progressive doom metal with a with an edge of Ennio Morricone kind of Western st soundtrack type of stuff in there, then you're going to love this record. Um, yeah. So there we go. How are you doing? And who were we listening to just then? It sounded like almost like Nina Simone or something. This is a band from Chicago called Labors. The album is Blue Funk. I did a review of this one a number of years ago. It is actually a vinyl. It was a vinyl review before I did vinyl reviews. I had about three or four records that came to me as promos before I was doing vinyl specific reviews. The, a band they were good friends with called the called Hiders, also from Chicago, sent me an album. And so they saw it and they wanted to do the same thing. They're an Americana band, a folkish, rockish, smoky thing. I, I don't I mean, know. Yeah, really I mean, that sounded kind of jazzy as well. That's definitely mm -hmm. had a jazz bit going on. Bluesy it's jazz thing. But yeah, it sounded actually, like, yeah, I know what you mean. It had a bit of lots of stuff in there. It's actually been quite a while since I've spun this one. It doesn't have... Uh, one of the fancy anti-static insert sleeves. So I need to put that on there before I put it away. But it's it's a neat record. And as always, I'll put uh, a link to the Bandcamp in the description because they deserve that. But so what are we talking about today? Well, we are talking about um, a man called Ronnie James Dio and a band called Dio. Not sure and if I've ever heard of them. Exactly. Who on earth is this person and what is his significance in the world of metal? Well, um, this was their fifth album. And this is, I guess we've done a few albums from around this time, because this was 1990. And as people may well be aware, the world of rock music changed around this time, where Basically, a lot of the old guard that had been really big in the 80s was still going and was still massive. And new bands like Guns N' Roses that still very much were 80s rock bands were, were still absolutely huge and carried on into the 90s. But also this thing called grunge had been bubbling under and it was about to break big. And by like 1992 or three, grunge really kind of knocked uh, metal or hard rock off its pedestal. Um, That's a really good rock. point because not only was was the the hair metal, the the popular metal, whatever you want to call it, because Dio was popular but not hair metal. So however you would describe him, same with Iron Maiden as well. They were all they were they were being attacked by on all sides. They were being attacked by the grunge people. They were being attacked by bands like Guns N' Roses. And they were being attacked for the same reason, a lack of sincerity, a lack of relatability. And everybody just kind of collectively decided that this is getting silly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that phrase that we've just used there, hair metal, that's going to come into certainly my analysis of this album a fair bit which um you know as you just said dio is not hair metal 
Um, Precisely. But anyway, we'll, we'll feed back into that when we uh, start the track by track. But yeah, so another thing that's very significant about this record then is that Dio's band entirely changed um, in the early stages of um, of the writing process for this Which album. is a very common theme for one Ronnie James Dio to find himself with a wholly new band every other weekend, it seems like. Yeah. And particularly of significance is that the guitar player that he got in to replace the previous one, I've forgotten who the previous guy was, to be absolutely honest. Craig but- Goldie. There you go. Well, the guy that came in to replace him, who I'm, I'm not exactly sure where they found this guy, but this guy was called um, Jens Johnson. I don't know. If, no, that's completely wrong. Hang on. I'm talking absolute nonsense. Jens Johnson nope. is the keyboard player. Keyboard. Um, so uh, I'm very um, unprepared here, clearly. Here we go. Rowan Robertson. Um, and Rowan Robertson was only 18 at the time. Um, yeah, and they also got in a guy called Simon Wright, who had been with ACDC between 83 and 89. Um, yeah, and the bass player changed as well, from Jimmy Bain to Teddy Cook. So, yeah, apart from the keyboard player, the whole band was different um, from when they started the writing of the album to then who actually played on the album. It's not just even that, though. On the album Dream Evil, there's a song called When All the Fools Sailed Away, or All the Fools Sailed Away. All the, I'm sorry, All the Fools Sailed Away closes out side one, written by Dio and Goldie. <laughs> Between Sacred Heart and Dream Evil, basically the entire band turned over again, except for Apathy. So there you go. We're, we're looking at the third straight record of the band basically completely turning over. Yes, exactly that, exactly that. Um, Yeah, so um, there's a little quote here from, that I got actually from, not from the Wikipedia of this album, but the Wikipedia of um, the guy, Rowan Robertson, the, the new guitar player. And it says, let me just bring it up here, that, um, what does it say um yeah to be absolutely honest it pretty much says what we've already said but yeah um it describes the change in the sound between this album now lock up the wolves did we say it's called lock up the wolves i don't know but i'm saying now it's called lock up the Wolves. we did not this is lock up the wolves this is lock up the wolves it describes the change in sound as not an abrupt change from the band's previous work, but a protracted evolution in the band's sound that wow. was ultimately delivered by one of the band's strongest lineups. Um, wow. Also, yeah, so there you go. There you go. There's a bit more about Mr. Mr. Rowan that I want to discuss. Mr. Robertson. Mr. Rowan Robertson. Mr. Rowan Robertson, yes. His first name is Rowan. So... Lock Up the Wolves is the first album he's ever been on. He comes into the band at age 17. And like you said, we don't know. I don't know where he where he was found. Uh, here's what it says. Ro- Rowan Robertson was recruited to join the band Dio when he was only 17 years of age. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the whole information. Uh, see, we got a bit more. 
Oh, actually, Robertson brought himself into the band. Uh, Robertson began an earnest effort to make contact with the band's management, asking for a chance to audition. Okay, right. so that, he found them. They didn't find him. Right. And then, so he, he plays on this album, Lock Up the Wolves, plays on nothing else until 2007. Puts out Nothing else by anyone. Correct. Puts wow. out three records with a band called DC4, uh, of whom I know precisely nothing. Then puts out an album, also one in 2016, with Ian Ray, Logan, and Serpent's oh, yeah. Ride, Between wow. Lights and Shadows, another artist of whom I know nothing. Um, yes, I'm just looking as well here, Nick. And look, second album with Dio shelved. So Robertson's tenure in Dio was cut short by a music industry persistence for a Ronnie James Dio reunion with Black Sabbath. So they did that and basically split Dio up, I guess, for the time Mm -hmm. being. And then when they got Dio back together, it wasn't with him anymore. Um, but he so he says Robertson's confirmed that the existence of sorry Robertson has confirmed the existence of rehearsal recordings for what would have been a follow up, but he has stated these will remain archived and does not feel comfortable releasing any of this. He'd have only done it with permission of Ronnie James Dio, who is sadly not with us anymore. Um, and then if you look here, a Robertson reunion with Dio, which many fans had hoped for, did not materialize. Um, before the singer's health declined and then he died. A reunion nearly took place in 2001 when Robertson was scheduled to replace Craig Goldie on tour in South Africa in support of the album at the time, which was Majika, uh, after Goldie suffered an injury. Oh, but there we go. But the September of the 11th attacks affected the band's tour plans. Uh, that is Magica go. for those of us with an American. Oh, name. sorry. Right. Magica. <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I just it automatically pronounced it that way and didn't question it. But yeah, okay. Magica. Or, Ma- or Mexica. Uh, Mexica. Yeah. It's actually, that is actually considered to be the gem of the latter day Ronnie James Dio albums. Yeah, I remember reading about it when I was getting into stuff like this and reading about it in Classic Rock magazine at the time. It is a double concept album, and I think it's really forgettable, but right, that's just me. So Rowan, what I find interesting about Rowan is he really was trying, excuse me, he really was trying to be a part of the band, to stick with the band, and then once... Dio, the the Black Sabbath reunion, once that imploded because Dio pulled a Dio while being Dio. Yeah. He then returns with uh, Tracy G on guitars, Jeff right. Pilsen on bass, and Vinnie Apice. Tracy G. Oh, okay. Actually, no. All he is known for is just that. So he's not actually significant. So basically, you have this lineup of this band of the Dio band that really only exists for one album. Yeah. Yeah. And the re one of the reasons why I picked this one is I have a very strong, this is one of my picks. If if nobody picked up on it, I have a very strong attachment to this particular album, not because it's so great or anything, but because it was the first Dio album I ever owned. And I remember 
get really getting into, I mean, always knowing who Dio was. Obviously, I loved the Dio era Black Sabbath, as I have gushed about many times, about as many times as uh, Duncan has brought up Public Image Limited. I have brought up Dio era Black Sabbath. And so I really love everything. I also, you know, love Rainbow. I love everything Dio does for two points. So Lock Up the Wolves was the first Dio album you got? Correct. There, when I was right. in high school, there was a used record store that sold primarily cassettes and tapes. Mm-hmm. And there was a Dio tape, Lock Up the Wolves. It was $4. It was a different time. $4. I Before I had a CD player, I bought it. I loved it. I, especially the title track. And because I can remember seeing... Dio videos on Headbangers Ball around this time, not for this album, but seeing Dio popular again. And then he rejoins Black Sabbath. And, you know, my Dio Love Fest is back. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, one last thing. I'm sorry. No. I have never had this album on CD. Mm-hmm. I yeah, listened. Vinyl. I have it on vinyl. I actually came across a copy of it. At uh, Vintage Vinyl, the oldest, uh, one of the oldest record stores in St. Louis. It's been going on for nearly 40 years. Mm-hmm. And they had it. It was $20. And I went, you know what? I don't need my $20 as much as I need that record. Yeah, sounds fair. Sounds and I fair. brought up the lack of CD for a reason. And we will get to it when Track the time listing is being right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's shorter. Uh, it was one, one chat missing and one chat moved. Correct. And I felt it would be wrong for me to listen to the missing track. So you're going to have to talk about it all by yourself. Right. And what are we going to do the order of the tracks as on the CD version? I think track three is different or something like that. Uh, track track three two track is different. Oh, there you go then. Right. Uh, well, track two is mi- track two is track eight. Yes. And then track something. Three is, is and then everything else is bumped down. Until yeah. we get to eight. Walk on water. You don't have that. No. And that's also how the cassette version was as well. Yeah. The CD. The Strangely CD, enough, because you can fit as much as you want. Well, not as much as you want, but you can fit loads on cassettes. But they just decided, no. There we are. Also, it, it might be worth noting. I don't know if this even came out on CD right away. Yeah, I don't know either. So that could have been a bonus track because this comes out in 1990. In 1990, yes. CDs are not. It probably didn't come out on CD straight away because in 1990, CDs are the they're coming. The they're the coming storm. You know, it, yeah, it, it, it was this weird period, wasn't it? It was like when I, I was a kid and cassettes seemed to me to be the main thing. Like vinyl records kind of seemed old like my parents had them but they didn't really play them much anymore CDs exactly that weird new thing that like they were space age and you know no seemed, one could like, afford yet exactly yeah and, and cassettes seemed like the main thing like of course you just listen to stuff on cassettes um but then about yeah i think in about 1992 we got a cd player and then so, it's it's that was when i got mine was 92 and you know i had seen them before that of course but in, in, in the 80s, we had this whole idea that a medium was worthless if you could not use it to record as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's why VHS beat Laserdisc. Well, and other reasons, too. And that's why cassettes ended up edging out 
the the record the turntable but you know the idea of an audio file also really didn't exist in 1985 either sure sure yeah 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 man okay well um i'm ready to go to the track by track if you are i am ready to go we will do this however you would like to um i don't know i'll i'll um well i'll tell you what i'll read out the track list because i've got the track list here for the cd edition which includes all of them so should we just do it like that and then we can do it like that that's fine yeah, i can i can turn fine. a page and turn it back all right cool so track one is wild one so i don't know shall i shall i start mm-hmm. I, I don't know however you want to do I'll, it i'll just i'll just start okay all right so this to me it was surprisingly hair metalish. Um, it's got fast kind of rock and rolly grooves and bluesy guitar riffs and a bluesy guitar solo, um, which to me isn't really that Dio-ish. Um, although I'm, I'm by no means an aficionado of all his albums. Or all oh, of no, you, you got that completely right. Yeah, right. And it, the, there's bit, elements of it that sound a bit like Wasp. There's a certain style of riff, which this guy Robertson does a lot because he, oh yeah, that's the other thing. I think we might've mentioned this. He has a writing credit, Robertson, on every track. Dio does the melody, the vocal melodies and the lyrics, but the other people write the actual music in the background. And Robertson seems to have done most of it. Let's put it that way. So yeah, there's a certain way of playing riffs where it's hard to describe without just sort of doing it. But basically, um, yeah, I, I can't really describe it. But, but a lot of a lot of hair metal bands do it. A lot of bands like Wasp do it. Um, you've got this kind of type of riff. And then there's also that. Yes, and then there's also the hair metal stomp. Vinny Vincent used to great effect. That Quiet Riot used to great effect. And yeah, there is a lot of similarity in uh, Rowan's rhythm playing. Definitely. A lot of it, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but there's some good melodies. To me, it's a little bit like generic hair metal. It's fine, but if this was, like Dio's great, he always sings brilliantly, as we know, but it's kind of like if this wasn't Dio singing it, it would still be be perfectly fine, but it would sound like a lot of other stuff that you could hear in a rock club um, any night of the week type of thing. The guitar solo is, is amazing. It's, I mean, you can see why they let him in the band. Um, he's, he can really, 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 really play. Um, it's, it's twiddly, you know, for, for in the late eighties, that was exactly what you wanted. You know, um, but we're we're in 1990 at this point, and still the was, 80s. Yeah, but this was the sort of thing that was about to get blown out of the water yes. by Kirk Bain playing really simple punky solos. Um, but what what interested me was that when I, I um, checked checked this album out on YouTube, and two of the, the two singles, it showed me the videos to them, and this is one of the singles, and. There's skaters and people like that in the video. There's, there's young people with long, grungy hair on skateboards. And then skateboards were very popular in the late 80s. Yeah. But it's just, it feels very undio to me. Then, then you've got suddenly it'll flick to the Dio band and they're all dressed in their 80s rock outfits and their theatrical 
costumes and Dio's waving his fists around and being dramatic. And then it's just some guys skating that feels like a Pearl Jam video or something. So you can see, you can just start to see this kind of clash of cultures coming in. Again, um, I, I want to point out in the 80s, in the late 80s, skateboarding was a ubiquitous part of American pop culture. Fair it, enough. Yeah, fair enough. Like in one of the Police Academy movies, Tony Hawk was in it. Right. They just had this scene where you had these guys skateboarding, and that was, I mean, and, and then they didn't, and that was all it was. They. So, so I'm yeah, not, what do I'm you not think surprised. Because you're going to have a very different perspective, given that you've you've got a a, a nostalgia thing. Of- no, nah, you pretty much nailed it. I mean, I I have a love for this album, even though my nostalgia is is from a long long time ago, and you know it 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 is. It's it's something. Yeah, I mean it is what it is, but it it's it's an album that I do enjoy. But frankly, I don't know how much I listened to it when I originally had it. It, I had it in that period between when I originally got this, I the this cassette tape. I got it in the period, like right before I got my first CD player in. I like I am to, to to vinyl now. I was a CD disciple, so I stopped listening to all of my cassettes the moment I got a CD player. So my nostalgia probably isn't as strong as it, it could be. But for this album, I will say it does feel a little bit influenced by bands like Motley Crue. Oh, for sure. Yes. You know, this sounds very much like late era the original classic time of Motley Crue, like Wild Side. I mean, it's even Wild Ones, you know, Wild. Dio's never used this kind of imagery in anything he's ever done. It's yeah. also a much faster kind of thing. Dio's solo work and, you know, even his work in Sabbath up to this point and in Rainbow has been very mono tempo, one tempo, medium tempo rockers bordering on the slow side and this is fast it's got this flashy bluesy solo as you put it yes it's twiddly in in the 80s you had to twiddle if you didn't twiddle you were a dinosaur and right now at the time of this record we are now seeing the end of the dinosaurs this is when bands like Motley Crue, when bands like Def Leppard, bands like, you know, those those kinds of bands are going to come become really silly really quickly. And we're at the end of their run and the end of a run of anything is always the same. It becomes more. Well, you liked it if we turned our hair up five percent. So we're going to turn it up 50 percent. And that's yeah. kind of a lot of this album. But as for as for Rowan, yes, it's easy to see why they allowed him to be in the band. The kid was amazing. And he he was an 80s blues player, you know. That's right. It's that it, yeah, it's that kind of Steve Moss type of thing where you yeah, you start off very bluesy and then you start doing tapping in the middle of that solo. It's still kind it's, of bluesy too, exactly that. It's almost bluesy. It's almost metal. It's it's bl- it's it's bletel. Bletel. Yes, there we go. We have coined a new phrase. Let's trademark it quickly. Bletel. Um, yes. 
Okay, well, um, track two then for me was Born on the Sun. So should we should we do that one? I can turn the page and turn it back. So I'm on uh, Born on the Sun. You know, this is one of now, like, like I said, when I first listened to this album, Lock Up the Wolves, the title track was by far my favorite. Now it's not quite so by far now that I know you know, the classic Dio versus the, the modern Dio, which this is this is towards the modern. And this album, this particular album, this song, it, it it's the first one on the album. And keeping in mind, when I listened to it, it was track eight. So my perspective yeah. is going to be a little bit different. But it was like the first time on this album where the old Dio and the new Dio, Dio the band, not Dio the man, were able to find common ground. And before that, a lot of this stuff I'm, I'm actually going to point out is a lot of this is reminiscent of Black Sabbath Forbidden, which right. is all reminiscent or, or uh, what is it? Prescient? Is the word prescient? What, the, yeah, the prescient that predicts something that's about right. so it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's all very prescient for Black Sabbath dehumanizer. Yeah, so, good point both Sabbath and Dio were walking the same road to dehumanizer. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so this this one is um, slower. I like this. There's, there's some classic Dio lyrics here. He says, there's a crack in the rainbow. There's a hole in the sky. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, some good riffs, good guitar parts. The drums are great, nice and heavy. It's back a bit more towards the traditional Dio trad metal, if you want to call it that, sound. But there's still a bit of that air metal going on. Um, great guitar solo, twiddly but tasteful. I like the melodies at the end. There's, I think there's a female singer doing some kind of uh, those anthemic R's, you know, the, the sing-along um, uh, anthemic R's, basically. So, yeah, I, I like this one. There's actually a lot of that anthemic chorus on this whole yeah. album, which it, okay. it feels unnatural. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's certainly not Dio's normal thing, really, is it? I guess. No, and there's probably an element of trying to stay relevant. Yeah, I think on is. this one, where, and obviously it didn't work. So, <laughs> yeah, so often doesn't, does it? Um, okay, well, track three, Hey Angel. So similar steady feel to track two, which for mm -hmm. you is track eight. But um, some hair metal nods again. Um, yeah, here we go. Layered harmony vocals on the chorus, which I like them. I think they work well, but maybe it's not the sort of thing that Dio would normally do. Um, there's an organ that comes in. I quite like that. And then it goes really kind of major key-ish in the bridges. And I, to me, it sounds almost power pop-ish in those places. And there's a few bits on this album that do that. And that's a bit of a different sound for Dio. Um, yeah, I, I think this is the thing. And I suppose what I'm about to say now sort of sums up a lot of this album, really. It's, this is not the best Dio track. It's fine. It's pretty good. He's singing great. Um, and there's some cool stuff in there, but it's not the best overall. His voice is is always brilliant, and his conviction and his delivery are always fantastic. And you you feel he could almost you could put that voice over almost anything, and it would make it sound classy and cool. But the style just doesn't feel very secure. It feels like this guy um, Rowan Robertson has 
has tried his best to write a Dio album, but maybe just there's maybe just too much of himself in there. Maybe he just is into bluesier stuff. He's into Motley Crue, whatever else. And that's just come through here. And it feels like the style's a bit, there's a bit of a clash there because then Dio's going, right, I'm just going to put my normal Dio stuff over the top of your thing that's not really suitable. Um, so, yeah, there's a bit of that clash going on. There is. Uh, I felt like this song was more of a Dio song than, you know, the, the previous one. Because, again, when I listened to this, it was track two. It, it's got a great, it's got that Dio kind of moodiness to it. It that, has, that, yeah, you're right. that fogginess, which... Thriving, is, brooding, yeah. Which is that hallmark of the Dio sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's tense, and that's great. It's, there's really nice melody riffs that Rowan is doing behind. When, when, you know, when Dio sings a line, you know, Rowan throws in a little bit of a kind of little uh, a little exclamation point for dio's vocals yeah. and you know i don't know i'm, I'm not really going to speak about dio's delivery and vocals and melody and all that because he's never turned in a poor performance i picture him like crusty the clown in that episode where crusty the clown was recording for a doll he walks in and he goes he just rattles off like four five or six cards that he was recording for his Yes, talking doll. Except that when Dio does it, he walks in, nails it, and goes and gets coke, and goes, yeah. "Okay, guys, I'm done. You finish your stuff." That's just how, because he is so amazing all the time. That's just how I picture it. But it, this, this is a this is a really great song, and probably about the last time these two styles work together. Sure. On sure. this album. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, next we have Between Two Hearts. Oh, so, yeah. This one. Okay. Yeah. You know, it starts off with the very, uh, the, the mellow chorus, maybe a little bit of phaser, acoustic arpeggios, which you know when this happens, they're going to feel a lot of feelings and they're going to, they're going to do it. And it's very mellow and Dio is singing down like this and he's ready to and then just like dio always does he can't hold it back anymore and blows it up and we get that little that that stomp we were talking about that dead that, yeah. that bluesy stomp that all the hair metal guys used and i think that's what rowan was as he was he, he was an aspiring hair metaler aspiring you know blues hair metaler like McMars, like uh, Slash kind of was, like yeah. you know, a lot of these guys were, like the guys in, oh, he's in Bang Tango now, which is perfect for him. And, you know, Pretty Boy Floyd and all those guys. That, you know, 80s blues was a thing that everybody uh, tries to pretend never happened, but it happened. And this is a great song, and we're still, but it, it's a little weird but it's that it's that Dio that that Dio ballad where he starts off ballady and then it blows up and it becomes a Dio song. Good song. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Yeah, slow and doom laden. Um, some good classic Dio vocals. Uh, some great melodies. Some cool riffs. 
But again, it's a bit confused stylistically. Sometimes it's bluesy, sometimes it's a bit neoclassical. Um, and that there's harmony vocals again in the chorus. And to be honest, that's all I've got to say about this. I think you kind of covered it. I, I agree with, with your analysis there. I think um, you're right. And, and this whole album is a little confused stylistically. Yeah. One of the things I have always said about Dio in kind of an unflattering way is that every project Dio undertakes sounds the same. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. Like he goes into Black Sabbath and suddenly Black, Black Sabbath, Sabbath is Dio. Yeah, and it's like, oh, this is just the next Rainbow album, that kind of thing at the time. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the first time that doesn't happen. And we're both looking at this going, eh, we're, we're very wishy-washy about it. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we just want that classic Dio sound all the time. I think so. I just think Rowan, um, sorry, I keep forgetting, it's Rowan Robertson, isn't it? I think his style of playing and writing just isn't quite, isn't quite in line with that. And they've tried to make it work. They've said, right, you know what? That's what you do. Just do what you do. And I'm Dio and I'll, I'll make it into Dio. And it just, yeah. It and he just couldn't quite. get there. Yeah. I think a part of it is that, and I, if anybody this age is listening, I'm about to piss them off. But I think at the age 17, you could not really understand the situation you're in and what you need to do and what you should be doing. I can remember at age 17 thinking anybody who does not have perfect creative freedom or does anything a producer says is a sellout and I hate them. And I was, and I was 15 at the time this came out. So not that far from, from Mr. Robertson in terms of age. So you know, there's probably a little bit of question questioning there, but you know. Anyway, moving on to night music, and this one here, it doesn't stick out. What I wrote is, it feels too samey, mm -hmm. and it's got a very flashy guitar solo, very good guitar solo that would be so much better on pretty much anything else. Yeah, this is the thing. It's a bit Van Halen. There's this chorus he riff at the start, kind of a that's a very bad impression of it, but it's no, I love that. Do that again. You should do that. I need you to record. I might actually just record you doing that, and that could be the new theme music. Yeah, but it feels like the sort of thing Eddie Van Halen would write. Completely, you're completely right there. Yeah, and then look, it's like the solo is quite catchy sorry i don't mean to so sorry the i've written solo and what I, mean, I know what i mean which is chorus <laughs> chorus is quite catchy duncan has daddy brain we all have to forgive him he has <laughs> a newborn yeah indeed but the thing is again if you take dio's voice off this and you get the singer from poison Rats or whoever poison exactly you get them to sing on this and it just suddenly works well, it yeah, it works in a different way, but it also then sounds like loads of those albums and tracks that already exist. And I said perfect, works. I didn't good. say was good. <laughs> yeah, it's perfectly fine, but it's like the thing the thing that makes this still kind of elevated beyond that in a way is the fact that it's just Dio's voice and Dio's Dio. Um, 
and whatever he turns his hand to it, it, becomes Dio. Yeah, and, and becomes just just has this air of class that it's very difficult to, to to just get anyone to be able to deliver that. He can deliver it every time. Um, but yeah, look, that's that's the thing. It's just not great. It's fine, but it's not great. And yeah, I, I would agree thing. with that. Completely what, what agree. Yeah. Do you have the song? Um, I think they were a British band, Top Loader, and they were like a one hit wonder probably mm. 20 years ago. They had a song called um, Dancing in the Moon, Dancing in the Moonlight. It goes dancing in the moonlight. And interestingly, Dio in this, which was this must be about 10 years before that Top Loader song. I reckon that was around 2000. And he said he sings dancing on the moonlight. Um, not like that, because that was like that was like a Muppet voice. I don't know what that was. Apologies. Um, but he sings the same rhythm and almost the same melody. And I'm sure it's probably a coincidence, but who knows? Maybe some members of Top Loader <laughs> once listened to this album and that that one little line had stuck in their head and then they made millions of pounds off it uh, 10 years well, later. Who knows? This will be the last thing I say on this song and we can move on to the next one. But this is another one of those songs where Dio is trying to... And if you look back at a lot of his work, including Black Sabbath, including Rainbow, there's a lot of hit fishing. So for all the yeah. talk of uh, saying, oh, you know, Dio's sword and sorcery and Dio's fantasy lyrics and carrying swords. This is the same man that wrote a song called The King of Rock and Roll. The same yep. man that wrote um, Turn On the Night. Yeah, Absolutely. There's a lot of those songs that have top 40 imagery all For over sure. them. And Absolutely. this is another one of those. Yeah, you're totally right. Okay, well, track six is the title track. Ooh, now Ooh. we're getting there. Okay, well, look, it starts off with some clocks, ticking clocks and synth pads. It's creepy. Then it comes in with a stabby heavy riff out of nowhere, kind of... Dum! Dun, 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 type of thing that sounded like the final countdown it's not like the final countdown it's a lot better than the final countdown in my view then it goes into a slow heavy riff slightly bluesy you've got some cool vocals i don't think it's anything new um but it's pretty good it's pretty good um there's a bit where it goes major keyish again there's a bit with some female vocals the solo is pretty cool again a bit bluesy a bit hair metal but it is cool um, the thing that I don't like about it is this is oh, no. stupid synth pad that I would say resembles a pan flute, and I don't know why they put that in there. It's just bad. But apart from that, it's pretty cool. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to collect myself. I did not expect a pan flute to be dropped this week, this but is, here we are. Well, I hey. didn't expect it, but it's in the song. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. I'm not being judgy. I'm just I'm saying I didn't expect this. And now I have to collect myself and you're making it worse. And you're smiling so big. Anyway, this is the best song on the record by far. And it starts off with the clocks and the damn that thing Duncan did really well. It's got a big Pink Floyd kind of start. And that is what you need for. I think for a title track for an album is the title track shouldn't be a single. 
it shouldn't be anything less than a statement, a mission statement for the album. And that's what this song is. And it's got that stomp. And that stomp has become a signature to this record, which isn't on any other Dio album. And that's what makes this so great is it has become the signature lick, the signature feel, the signature sound. The title track has become the album. And that's a perfect way to choose a title track. However, I will say, I don't know if you looked at the cover too closely, but it's dumb. Uh, yes, I did. I did look at the cover. Yeah, I'm sorry. A, I'm sorry. I'm so it's sorry. A bit ludicrous. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, you've got. So, okay, I'm looking at it now. You've got a red sky with lots of atmospheric clouds in it. A big purple clouds. Moon. Yeah. Then you've got a, a skeleton with antlers dressed in a massive robe. Right. Like the before you. Character but, type okay. Let me jump in before you move on. Okay. Be- I, I felt, I and mean, I was looking at this last night and I was tired. It was the long week of work. We're recording this on Saturday rather than Sunday, because I will say this now, Sunday, tomorrow, as we record this, will be December 5th, which will be my 12th wedding anniversary. So I wanted to Happy do this today. Thank you. And so anyway, so I had tired, long week. And I looked at that cover last night and it was off time. It was happy hour at my house. And, you know, so maybe maybe it was a couple of beers talking that I'm about to say, but to me, it looked like a samurai, a giant Kabuto, a samurai helmet. I don't know if that's the imagery they were going for, but that's just what I saw. Right. I mean, yeah, to me, there's antlers and the guy's wearing a hooded robe and he's a skeleton. And then he's got two wolves with red eyes and blood dripping fangs that are kind of well he's just walking them like dogs essentially so let me ask the question then do these dogs need to be locked up well exactly exactly if they don't don't need to be locked up because it's lock up the wolves it's not release the the wolves yeah exactly exactly sorry i just okay so yeah it's 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 a good picture that doesn't work in pretty much any anything. So no, yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, that is the end we... of side one. Yes. Okay. So next, then we have "Evil on Queen Street," which apparently, according to Wikipedia, it takes its title from a deli in Toronto, which had a sandwich with that name, which is what Dio said in. 1990, allegedly, although there is no citation for this on Wikipedia, so this could be entirely made up. Okay, it would not surprise me at all. This is Dio's, what, fifth album with Dio. He did four albums with Rainbow, two albums with Black Sabbath. He he writes all the lyrics. This is his, what, uh, four, two, five. This is his 11th record? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, and and, count Elf. Yeah, so 13th record that he has put out in the past 20 years. Yeah, he's probably running out of ideas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, it's but, slow 6-8 doomy blues, like that kind of... Don't, don't, don't read my notes. Type of thing. It's pretty good, and there's some cool riffs. It still feels a bit mismatched style-wise. It's a bit too bluesy. Um, too many pinch harmonics. Too many. Um, 
it's like Zach Wilde does this a lot as well. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's it's um, Zach Wilde playing the blues with Dio singing. Basically, yeah. Okay. Um, that, I, I like the um the the heat of your fire. And then he says, a promise that comes from a liar. Um classic Dio pronunciation. Um yeah, look, it's a bit over long. I can't remember how long it even is, but it felt like it was too long. This is like a two minute thirty song at best. And I have what? nothing more to say about this one. So, oh, I see what you mean. You mean it should be a two minute? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I thought I thought you were telling me that it was two minutes thirty. No, no, over long. That would that would be ridiculous. But yeah, um, yeah, I I agree. So next is the track that you don't have. No, I do have. I have Walk on Water. There's something oh, else do? I don't have. Okay. Well, what do you think of Walk on Water then? It's an '80s power metal song. It's got some Dio Gallup and. We have some really good playing from Rowan. It's a good song. It's a it's a really good song. It, yeah. And, you know, again, we've got you know Dio fantasy imagery, which, you know, I don't want Dio's wild nights. I don't want Dio turning on the night. I don't want him singing about the king of rock and roll. I want him to sing about dragons and elves and wizards. And here we go. Yeah, musically for me, it was kind of back into hair metal mode. It's faster. It was, um, it was. I was getting a bit fatigued by this day. So to me, it was just, it was a bit samey. It was a bit predictable. And it's it's okay. Like, I, I didn't have a massive problem with it, but it just started to feel like, okay, you've gone back to the full-on faster hair metal mode, but there's not enough here to really grab me and make me think you're doing anything that no one else Fair enough. has done. No, that, that, it's, that, it's not a bad that, song at all. Right, it's not a bad song. It's not a great song would have been it would have hit you a lot harder on side one than rather than side two yeah yeah i think that's right totally right okay so next is this the one you don't have then called twisted no i have oh, that no, one you, it's why are they watching me that you don't have okay right so twisted um right well go, go on what do you think about look we're, we're i'm gonna keep this a little bit short because we've been going for about the right amount of time and for this one this song sounds like a, the it sounds like the best song from 1987 However, it was released in 1990. It's three years too late. It's, yeah, totally agree. Um, I was starting to get very fatigued by this point. The middle eight um, pop, pops its head up and it changes things up a bit. And I thought, actually, that's quite a welcome change. Just just changes the feel, different chord sequence, different type of chord sequence. Um, yeah, but then the, the, there's a guitar solo over this really bluesy groove. Then suddenly the music goes really proggy and then the guitar solo is carrying on. Then it goes bluesy again. And then I'm like thinking, you know what? I've just had enough of this and I'm feeling like it's over long. And it's only four minutes 45, but it's still over long. So, yeah. I felt like I'd had enough of this. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I was at this moment. Moving on. Okay, well, you don't have this one. Why are they watching me? Okay, so this is like a fast metal riff with backbeat toms, so that kind of that type of thing. Oh, and then it so goes it's Metallica. Into, yeah, it's, you know what? Yes, it's quite metallica -y. Then it goes into Motley Crue-ish. And then he's singing lyrics about rock and roll, and it's all a bit meh. And then the middle eight goes a bit slower and goes power popish again. Then it goes into a fast 12-8 thing. And then there's another bluesy, twiddly, pinch harmonic solo. And, you know, it's all fine, but I don't think you're missing out on a whole lot by not having it, to be honest. Well, this album was, I think, 60 minutes long total. 
which I apologize. Apparently, I chose the longest Dio record known to man. That's not is magical. It one vinyl record. Yes, it is one. Well, that'll be why they had to pull this one off. Then. Yeah, it, it sounds fine. It's not. It doesn't sound bad, but there's not a whole lot of bass and super highs yeah. in Dio. It's all mid rangey anyway. But yeah, so you know, moving on to uh, the last track, which is "My Eyes." I'll start this one off if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. It uh, it's very very reminiscent of Leonard Skinner's "Simple Man." It's got very oh, yeah. big riffs, and then the riffs go away. And then mercifully the song ends. Yeah, I, I actually like the acoustic ballady bits. Um, he sings great. He's doing his more tender voice that's still really powerful and emotive. But then it goes into into some heavy bits, and I just find them a bit boring. Um, so yeah, overall not brilliant. He mentions heaven and hell and stargazer and rainbows. You know, he's he's obviously referencing his previous band, Stargazer being a, um, a rainbow song, by the way, Heaven and Hell being the Black Sabbath album that he, the first I one. I love the idea of, of, of referencing a Stargazer. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's just because whenever I hear that, I think of uh, Star Trek because the Stargazer was the ship that Jean-Luc Picard was captain of before the Enterprise. Okay, right. I'm not enough of a Trekkie, as they say. I am a bit of a nerd. Fair enough. No, it's all right. It's all right. I know it's all right. I didn't ask for approval. (laughs) (laughs) It's the way you said it, Nick, you know. Oh, (laughs) Duncan is tired, so I will let him talk uninterrupted. No, 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 no. I don't think I had anything particular to say. Um, I'm ready to I'm ready to sum this thing up if you're ready. Let's sum it up. Yes. All right. Uh, I'll go first, if you don't mind. Of course, go for it. This is a good record, not a great record. It's a confused record. It's this album is equal parts classic new wave for Dio. And, you know, sometimes it gets comfortable. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. It, the, the, the standout tracks are really, really good. The, the, it's, it's another one of those albums where stylistically when it works, it works really well. It just doesn't work all the time. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, okay. Look, for me, basically, because there's other Dio stuff out there, I don't think it's it's not essential listening at all. Essential? Um, No. Worth listening to? Yes. So that's why I say spin it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'm sort of between spin it and bin it, and I will make a decision in a second. But essentially... Dio's singing is great, as it always is. There's enough classic Dio stuff on here that if you're into Dio, you, you're going to need this. You're going to want to hear this, and you're not going to be completely disappointed by it. There's going to be a lot to like. But I would say, even including Angry Machines, which we checked out. Oh, that one I would was say. Cool. Well, I, I, I would say, from memory, that I preferred that to this. Um, so... I kind of think if you want to get into Dio, don't check this album out. Get um, whatever it's called. Uh, what on earth is it? Holy Diver or um, Last in Line or whatever it is. I actually just got Last in Line last week on right. vinyl, original yeah. vinyl. There you go. So I I think I'm going to go bin it. If it was Ooh. the only Dio album ever, 
then I'd say spin it because, wow, this is worth it just to hear this singer. But because you can hear this singer on loads of other brilliant classic albums, I kind of think I'm not sure anyone needs this unless they're really big fans of Dio. And even then, I don't think they're going to be blown away by it. I think they'll probably think it's the worst Dio album, quite likely. So I think I'm going to say bin it for that reason. But with with the caveat that if you're into Dio, you're going to have to check it out, aren't you? Of course you are. And with the okay. caveat that I don't, great. I don't know how you define spin it or bin it. For me, the definition is, do I... The answer, it, it, it yes is spin it, no is bin it. The question, the, the answer to the question is, or the question to that, to the question which creates those answers is, do I want to hear this again? Yeah. Or I will think, I listen to this again? That's for me. Yes. Spin it is yes, bin it is no. It's pass or fail. So that's. And I think that, yeah, that matches up with it. I'm not going to listen to this again because I. Okay, don't need fair to, enough. I, 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 I really like what Dio does, but um, I don't need this album. Um, I was I'm really try- I was uh, trying to say I was trying to save you to pull you back into the light, but okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick, but I think <laughs> in terms of the actual music, I think we pretty much agree. I just think no, I, I don't need this. I'm going to go check out Holy Diver or Rainbow Rising or Heaven and Hell or even Dehumanizer. Wait, you don't like Dehumanizer? No, I, I do like Dehumanizer. Okay. I just don't like it as much as, uh, say, Rainbow Rising or whatever. Fair enough. The one thing I'll say about the, the one of the last things I'll say about this album is it's overlong, and I've said it once, I've said it twice, I've said it in print, I've said it on podcasts, I've said it in conversations at the office. Sixty-minute albums are basically never good. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I can't think of any examples now, but I, I, there are a few that I I do like. But yes, generally speaking, I want my albums to be vinyl length, 45 minutes. Or you go double and there's right. two separate lots of that. And that's a different thing because then the two records can have a different character to them and you can have a break in between and all that stuff. But yeah, I agree. Six, for me, 60, 65, whatever minutes for an album is not usually what I want. There are very few artists that can keep, I mean, like like my, the best double record of all time would be, in my opinion, The Wall. Yeah, I thought and you might say. Disc two has a very different character and a very different feel than disc one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you listen to these, because this is a, tr- a three-sided record and you, you can't do two records, can't do two characters. So that's... Yeah. It's always, you know, there's a lot of really average triple sided records that could have been really great single albums by doing a little bit of cuts. Totally agree. Absolutely. And that's, I I think that's pretty much this album is you could have cut three songs off of it and really improved it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. But that's all I'm going to say this week. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, Look, I did enjoy listening to it, even though I probably won't listen to it again. Um, And I certainly enjoyed talking about it, as I always do. So thank you for listening, people. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.